Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Am I doing all right today? Well, you look fantastic. Look to the person beside you and say, you look great today. Now look to the person that was your second choice and say, you look pretty good too. Hey, we're glad that you're here. You do look great, man. I feel like I haven't seen you in uh, seven days or so, but man, in these seven days, we've had a lot going on, and uh, we've had a great week. This past week, we got to hang out with some incredible leaders as a part of our Global Leadership Summit. Thanks to our volunteers that served at that event and those that came or maybe invited coworkers to come and be a part of two days of just content-rich leadership principles, uh, both for church and business and community. And uh, so it it was a powerful time, those two days, and so just thanks for being a part that if you were. Uh, And one of the things that I'm really excited about uh, that's coming up in just a couple days, you you may have seen it on some of our social media stuff. If you're not following us on social media, then I encourage you to do that. But uh, next weekend, we have a really great opportunity um, to really connect and grow our partnership with Reinhardt University. Reinhardt, I looked, so if if you want to pull this out and and fact check me here, this is not fake news. It's only 7.4 miles from where I'm standing to Reinhardt. And that's pretty close. And a couple years ago, when we opened this facility, I was driving down 140 one day and realized just how close Reinhardt was to us. And I really felt the Lord stirring in my heart that day, two years ago maybe, two and a half years ago, that we needed to be very intentional to connect there on that campus with both students and faculty. And the Lord's given us some inroads along the way to do some, some things, some little things here or there. But this coming weekend is one of the best opportunities for us to really take a huge step forward in that. We've um, fostered a relationship there with the campus ministry department, the campus pastor. And so on Friday, we have the opportunity to help new students move into their dorms. On Saturday, we're going to be a part of an event uh, partnering with, again, which we did last year with the Foundation of Hospital Art, to really be a part of a paint party that all of the incoming freshmen will be a part of. And these paintings will then go to hospitals around the world. And, and you say, well, I can't paint. That's okay. You don't have to be able to paint. It's really almost like paint by numbers. I promise. Like, I'm terrible at it. My stick people look sick. But like, you can make this happen. So that's on Saturday. And then next Tuesday, so about 10 days, nine days from now, um, we're going to partner with the campus ministry department, show up at their first worship service of the semester, just to help support them on that night, uh, just fill that room up, bring some energy to the room so that they kick off this semester in a great way. So some of you received some information about that, but if you'd like to participate, go to our website, sign up so we know that you're coming and we'll get you all the information. But I'm really excited because because we believe generations matter. You've heard that over the last few minutes. And this generation of college students is a generation that we want to really uh, build a bridge to, connect to, and help them to just own their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so thanks for being a part of that if you have the opportunity to do so. You know, um, some of you know that earlier in the summer, my grandmother passed away. She lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was a, a great, you know, the matriarch of our family. And uh, I called her Mima all of my life. I'm the oldest grandchild. Uh, and so I got to name her. And so she became Mima. And so I called her Mima. And then everybody else just started calling her Mima. And so, you know, early in the summer, she passed away. But a, a week or two before that, we were actually able to take our kids and go to visit Mima um, just to kind of see her one final time before she passed away. And so we went to uh, Charlotte, and we visited her and visited with family there. And uh, she, her health has been declining or had been declining over the previous few months just to the point where they knew it was kind of imminent. And so, uh, we, you know, she was uh, kind of a coherent part of our visit, but other times she really wasn't. But hospice had brought in a hospital bed and put it in the living room 
uh, over to the side up next to the wall because uh, she had just wanted to, to pass at home. She didn't want to pass in a facility or a hospital, and my grandfather wanted to honor that. So they brought in a bed, and hospice came in and was just so gracious to our family. And uh, so my grandmother, what you need to know, my grandmother, she loved pictures, taking pictures, hanging pictures. I remember as a child, every single time, no exaggeration, that we got all of the family together, we went and took, and some of you are not going to know what I'm talking about, an Olin Mills picture. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen right there from anybody that knows what I'm talking about? So I don't even know how to, if you've never experienced Olin Mills, I don't even know how to describe it to you. Like I thought all week long, like how do I tell these people about Olin Mills? But just know if you don't know, you're missing out. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's, that's all I've got to say to you today. But every time that we gathered as a family, we went to Olin Mills, and we got pictures. One year, that was one time, one single year, that Olin Mills had jacked their prices up, and Meemaw got ticked. <laughs> so we weren't going to go to Olin Mills because they changed the arrangement. And so Sears in our mall there in, in Gastonia, they had a photo center, a little picture, you know, it was like Olin Mills Light kind of is what it was. And so we went there and did it. And Meemaw was not pleased with the outcome of that picture. I don't even think it hung in her house. I think she was so ashamed that we didn't say Olin Mills down in the bottom right-hand corner. Now we have Photoshop. We could have Photoshopped it in and Meemaw would have been none the wiser, but we went to Olin Mills every other time after that. But she loved pictures in her house. Like even now, my grandfather still has them hanging there in their house. There are pictures of her children and then her children and their spouses once they got married and then those families within the family and then the grandchildren of which I am one and then my family and then the great-grandchildren. I mean, there's just pictures everywhere in this house. So when we went to visit Meemaw, just before we left, they had, I told you, they had moved her hospital bed. So let's just act like this is her living room. They had moved her hospital bed about where this couch is, but they had turned her in such a way that she was facing the wall. And so what I did, because she was coming to and you know, going to sleep and, and waking up and stuff, I went to another place in the house and I took my picture off the wall <laughs> and I hung it right in front of where Meemaw was sleeping. Because see, here's what you don't know. I'm Meemaw's number one. That's what she told me all of my life. I'm the oldest grandchild. I'm Meemaw's number one. Now, later, after she passed, I learned that she had little pet phrases for all the grandchildren like that. But all of my life, I just knew I was number one. I kid you not. This is what she's told me since I was old enough to remember. She said, I used to, after you were born, I used to take you to the mall, and I would walk around carrying you. And I didn't understand why people wouldn't just stop me in the mall and talk about how beautiful a baby you were. And I was like, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I don't know. No, but to our first, you know, girl grandchild on that side, she would tell her, I found this out later, that she was the answer to her prayer. <laughs> Excuse me? Meemaw? What am I? I'm number one, right? To the youngest grandchild, she said, you are my sweet baby. What? I'm number one. That's all that matters. So I made sure that every time she woke up in that hospital bed, she was looking at number one. Well, everybody else in the family figured out what I had done. And so I left Charlotte. And over the next few days, I started getting pictures from other family members. And it seemed like whoever sat with Meemaw last moved their picture in front of Meemaw. <laughs> I wanted to take trips in the middle of the night and turn into a Navy SEAL and break into her house and swap my picture out. But I couldn't figure out how to talk Corey into that. But here's what you need to know about Meemaw. 
She valued pictures. And the reason that she valued pictures is because the people in those pictures were valuable to her. Now, I would assume around your house, maybe it's not pictures of family and three and four generations, if that's not a part of your story right now. But you probably have things around your house that are valuable to you. They speak to you. Now, they may not be valuable to anybody else. Now, some of you, you may have items that are valuable to everybody because they've got a high value dollar-wise. But some things, you ever walked in anybody's house and like you see something, you'd be like, why would they put that out? It means something to them. To you, it looks like something ugly, but, but to them, it's valuable. Well, last week, we started a new series called Homemade. Last week, we just had the, the studs up and the foundation was kind of laid here underneath this. And, and we started to build this home. And I told you that over these three weeks, we're going to build a home. And the reason that we're going to do that is because we find in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 3, these three verses, beginning in verse 4. It says, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. We are God's house. And so God is building our lives. And last week what we talked about is to start this process, you've got to have the right foundation. We just sang about it. You've got to have the right foundation. And what we said is that the foundation must be Jesus, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because if not, what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7 is he said, if you build your house on anything else, it can be good stuff. If you build your house on hard work, if you build your house on kindness, if you build your house on being a nice person, if you build your house on your business acumen, if you build your house on any other thing, eventually when the winds kick up and the storms of life kick up, it's not going to be able to withstand. But if you build your house on the rock, on the foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us, then it will withstand. So then where do we go from foundation? Like, where do we go next? Well, now we start to put these walls up. Now we start to build the structure of our home, of our lives. And really, it comes down to what Mimal taught us, that we build our home on that foundation with the things that we value. So the question today is, what do you value? Not what do you think you're supposed to say in church about what you value. Not, not how do you think you're supposed to answer it. Right? I heard this story one time about some little four-year-olds in a Sunday school class at their church, and the teacher was trying to just get everybody engaged and ask some questions. She said, I want you guys to tell me, what's that little animal that runs around in the woods, it climbs up trees, it stores nuts for winter? All the kids looked around, looked back to her. She says, you guys know this. Come on, answer the question. It's this, it's got a long tail, it's kind of furry, fuzzy tail, it runs up and down the trees and stores nuts for winter. You guys know this? So one little, little boy raised his hand she said, okay, you know, Johnny, what's the answer? He said, well, I, I think it's a squirrel, but we're in church. I think I'm supposed to say Jesus, right? <laughs> I know some of us, we think in church, we're supposed to have different answers than what we actually feel. So the question becomes, what do you actually value in life? No judgment right now. Nobody's trying to make you feel like a bad person. What is it that you value with your life? Maybe some of you value hard work. That's good. You need to value hard work. You need to instill that in the next generation. You get frustrated when the people that you work with or even your kids, they don't work hard because you value it and they don't seem to value it. And when you hold a high value and they hold a low value, there is going to be tension. 
because that's a value that you have. Maybe it's to be financially conservative, to save, save for a rainy day. Make sure you've got enough that when the storms kick up, you're never going to be stressed or it's going to take a long time for you to find stress because you're financially conservative. You're holding away. You're saving away. You're being conservative. Maybe that's something you value. And you see other people, and they're just spending, spending, spending. They're just being, making all kinds of bad decisions, and you don't understand it. Maybe you value treating people with respect. Maybe it bothers you when other people around you, they just don't seem to have respect anymore. They just don't seem to talk to people with respect and be kind to one another and respect people. And you value that, and somebody else doesn't value that, and it creates this tension. And so the question today is not what does everybody else value, and what should everybody else value, and why you're right and they're wrong. The question really comes, as we build our house on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then as we're putting that house together, what is it that we are supposed to value? What are are the things that we're supposed to value? I want you to look at this in Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 3. It says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. We're filling the rooms of our house, we're filling the places of our lives with this rare and beautiful treasure that we believe that God has given to us through his word so that we can build our lives on the foundation of who he is, but we can also construct our lives in ways that reflect and honor him. Now, if you're trying to figure out the best place to start, I would encourage you, other than today, to jump back in our podcast and just listen all summer long to our Fruitology series. We looked at for nine weeks the idea of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine characteristics of Jesus Christ, if we apply them to our lives and we kill off or crucify, according to Paul, those things that are of our flesh that we desire to do in our own sinful nature, and we allow the Spirit of God to lead our lives, then we reflect more and more the character of God. Because what we said is the house that's being built is really being built as the reflection of the image of God's Son, Jesus And so as we do that, we want to make sure that the things that are valuable to us are the things that are valuable to God. And so what is it that you value? Here's the problem before we jump into some of these specific things. If you value everything, you don't really value anything. If you value everything, if you just try to take a little piece over here and 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 a little piece over here. You ever been to a restaurant and you walk up to the cash register and they have like 37,000 business cards of the people that want to advertise and get your attention? I, I've nev- I can't think of one time I've ever picked up a business card because they're advertising everything. So they're actually not advertising anything. So what you have to determine is what are the one or two or three or four or five maybe things that you are supposed to value, build on the foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ so that your life and my life can more and more reflect the person and the character of Jesus. Now, let me just tell you right up front as we jump into some specific ones. I've got three things today that I think apply to everybody in the room. Three things that I think are values that we should all value. Youngest to oldest, those that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, those that are still kind of thinking about who the Lord is and if or when they might ever consider to be in relationship with Him. Three of things that I think apply to every one of us. And then I've got one or two that are just applicable to certain groups of people in the room, and we'll hit those before we close. So maybe you want to jot some of these down. The first value that I think is important for us to really reflect the character and nature of Jesus Christ as we construct our lives is the idea of honesty. The idea of honesty. I believe that if you are an honest person, you will stand out in this world. 
Not because everybody's terrible and everybody's ugly and everybody's mean and everybody's evil. Not at all. There's really good people. But unfortunately, we're in a, in a day and time where honesty is just not valued at the highest level anymore. And so it's okay for us to just be kind of honest. I've already talked about my kids a couple of times today, but Corey and I were in a teaching moment with one of our kids the other day, and we were talking to them about the idea that partial obedience is actual, actually disobedience, and partial truth is actually a lie. Partial truth is actually, if you know something that I need to know as I'm making a decision, but you keep that information from me, you are lying because there is omission. You're not, it's not a sin of commission like I did something. It's a sin of omission. I kept something from you. And so the idea here for our, our, our child as we were talking through this situation is you've got to be honest. Honesty builds trust. You just got to be honest. Look at this in James chapter 5 verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. And you say, well, I don't really understand that. Leave this up there for a second, guys. I don't really understand that. I thought you were just talking about being honest. The idea here is if your words carry weight, then you don't have to go, no, I'm telling the truth. I promise. I swear. I, I promise. Like, if you just say yes or no, if you just make a statement and your words still carry value because of the way that you have used your words up to this point, then people are just going to believe you when you say yes or no. When you just speak the words, when you just speak the truth, they recognize that you are a truth teller, and they let your words stand on their own. You don't have to, I promise, I swear, hand on the Bible, hand heart to God, hand to God, I, I promise, this is the truth. I'm telling you, you don't have to say any of those things. You just let your yes be yes, and your no be no. It's a value in our homes. How would our homes be different if we really believed that everyone in our homes was being 100% honest all the time? How would our offices and our business lives change if, we, change if we really believed that everybody on our job was being 100% honest all the time? Now, some of us, we'd have to put on our big boy britches. Because when we walk in and we deliver a subpar performance, and they don't want to hurt our feelings, and they go, well, I mean, you know, you tried really hard. That means this is terrible work. But if they were honest with us, then we would know how to improve if they said, hey, but here's how you can fix it. But so often we leave things unsaid because we're afraid of what people will think. In a couple of relationships I have in my life with some friends and, and other pastors, and we're in, in relationship together, we talk about going the last 10%. Going the last 10%. I think most of us are honest in really hard conversations up to about 90%. Eventually we get to 90% of what we wanted to say. But there's that last 10%. If we could ever convince ourselves and we could ever let the other person on the other end know that we, this, is, this is what I really need to share. I'm holding back 10% because I'm afraid it's going to hurt your feelings. Or I'm holding back 10% because I'm afraid I don't know how you're going to receive this. I'm holding back 10% because of how it's going to reflect on me. I'm holding back 10% because this is the really hard part of the truth. But if we can just get that last 10% out, we can do more with that 10% than we probably could do with the other 90 that we spent our time talking about. We need to be honest. We need to value honesty in our lives and construct our lives in such a way that we are honest people. The second thing that I believe that is a value for all of us is integrity. Integrity. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. 
The unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Integrity, you can define it a lot of ways, and so often integrity gets defined similarly to the word character. Character is who you are, and maybe integrity is who you are when no one's looking, right? Maybe you've heard definitions like that. But the idea is if I took change out of my pocket and I was able to take the outer layer of a penny off of that penny, I would find a different substance on the inside of that penny than I would on the outside because it's not 100% pure. There's a different substance that makes up the core of that penny than what we see on the outside of that penny. Integrity is that all the way through, if you slice me open, all the way through from the outer core, the outside to the inner core, everything is the same. That I have integrity. I, 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 I'm the same from what you see to what you hear to, to what, how I act to the way that I talk. to the Like there's integrity there. And so when we start defining it by who you are when no one's looking, what you're saying is I'm not just being good when eyes are on me. I'm being good when no eyes are on me because it matters. My integrity is important. Because the reality is if I am a person of integrity when no one's looking... I will be a person of integrity when other people are looking, but the same is not all, the the inverse is not always true. I can be a a person of integrity when everybody's looking, but if I'm not, when other people aren't around, then I have a heart issue. I remember when I was a boy, we were traveling as a family one day, and, and my dad took me and my brother to the vending machine on the hall of the hotel that we were staying at. And we went to the vending machine, and we put some money in. I think he might have put in like a dollar, and it was 50 cents for, uh, for a soft drink. And so we were getting, uh, you can tell how long ago it was, because now they're like $9 in the vending machines. But I, we put in like a dollar, and, and it was only 50 cents. And so he hit that we would get one drink, and four quarters came out in change. I thought, awesome, we're all getting a drink now. And so my dad took the four quarters, He put two more back in the vending machine. He got a second drink, and then he picked up the other quarters. He said, let's go turn these in. I said, why? It's just 50 cents. I think it might have been my brother. Maybe my brother said that. I didn't say that. I I wanted him, yes, dad, do the right thing. Maybe that was my brother. So Jason said, why? And here's what my dad said. He said, it's the principle of the issue. And this is what he said, and we joked about it, we laughed about it, we still do make fun of him about it a little bit, but there's so much truth here, so don't miss it as you laugh at me. He said, it's the principle of the issue. A man that would steal two quarters out of a vending machine would stab another man right in the heart. I was like, whoa, this just took a really huge leap forward. (laughs) What kind of hotel did you bring us to? (laughs) And we laughed and, we, you know, and, and still to this day, like anytime if, my, if I'm riding in the car with my dad and he cuts somebody off, I'm like, you'd stab a man right in the heart, wouldn't you? <laughs> a man that would cut somebody off in traffic would stab a man right in the heart. But here was the point he was trying to make. If you'll do wrong in little decisions, eventually you'll do wrong in big decisions. If you'll steal 50 cents out of the vending machine, you go, well, I didn't steal it. They gave it to me, but it's not yours. The other day, I promise you, the other day, We walked around Target for like 45 minutes trying to find out who dropped the dime we found on the floor. Because Tucker found it and he knew it wasn't his and eventually we just handed it in to customer service. And the lady was like, baby, you keep it. I'm like, no, he's not keeping it. We do not stab people in the hearts. (laughs) We're not allowed to shop at that Target anymore. I don't know why. (laughs) 
Integrity. Just be who you say you are. And if you can't be who you say you are, say you're somebody else so that you can be who you say you are, right? Just be honest with yourself. That's why we started there. And just change what you've been saying if you don't actually have the ability to be who you say you are. You want to build a life that matters. You want to allow God to do something in you that matters. You want your family life to be different. You want your marriage to be different. You want your relationship with your kids to be different. Kids, you want your relationship with your parents to be different. When you tell them you're going to be home at 9 o'clock, get home at 8.59. Don't call them at 9.05, hey, I think I'm going to be a little late. Yeah, you're already late. Right? Just be who you say you are. Just do what you say you're going to do. Be a person of integrity. Third is this, generosity. The third value that I think would benefit all of our lives is generosity. Look at this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In our world, it's all about give me, 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 give me. But the kingdom of God is once again the idea that it flips upside down on its head and it says, give away, give away, give away, give away, give away, give away now. Some of you won't get that. (laughs) But we, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Just be a generous person. And, and I'm not just saying this. I promise you I'm not. I brag on you behind your back too. This is one of the most generous churches I've ever heard of, ever seen. We make a need known and people are like, I'll give to that. We, we find out about a, an opportunity to minister on a college campus. People are emailing us back. Hey, what time do I need to be there? I, I can't stay the whole time, but I can be there for like 20 minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, sure, if that's what you want to do. This is not just about your money. It's giving away your time, giving away your, the talent that you have to come and build sets, to build a house on a stage because a pastor had a crazy idea of being homemade and showing that and giving your time, giving your talent, giving your treasures to, to the things that matter for eternity. Let's just be generous. Let's model generosity to the next generation so that we don't raise up generations after us who are stingy and about what they can pull into themselves, right? We all know that, like, you got to teach most kids to share. We had to teach ours, right? You get them in the playroom floor, they got the toy, and you're like, hey, share that with your brother. Mine. Mine. It's like, no, it's actually mine. I paid for it. I'm letting you use it right now. <laughs> and both of you belong to me, so both of you are going to share that toy. Right? So you got you to teach to share. But how sad is it when you see an adult... Mine. Mine. This isn't you can't have nice things. You can't want nice things. You can't have nice toys. No, no, no. Man, have all the nice toys you want. But be generous with what you have and who you are and the talent that you possess that God may use for greater purposes. So honesty, integrity, and generosity. I think those are some foundational values that all of us can hold. Because remember, everything else, we've already built the foundation of our lives on Jesus Christ. And love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, that's all in there with him. 
And so these are other things that I think we could just add that like this is the structure, this is the support structure of our lives, that honesty is the filter by which we deliver and receive information and integrity is who we are to our core. Generosity is how we open our home and open our lives to, the, to other people for the sake of other people. But then there are a few others that I think for individual groups of people may be beneficial. And I want to hit these pretty quickly. And these may apply to you, maybe they won't. But as I read through God's word and I really pray about where we are as a church and who comes to call this place home, I want to hit a few things before we close our time today. If you are single in the room today, whether you're, you know, a teenager, we're going to talk more about teenagers in just a few minutes, but maybe you're college age, maybe you're older than college age, maybe you're a young adult, maybe you're an older adult. I don't know how you would classify yourself age-wise, but demographically in your lot in life, you are not affixed to anyone permanently. You're single then I think a value that you would want to possess in your life, not just something that you kind of sprinkle on there, not just something that you kind of think about, this is a neat thing, this is a good thing. I think that what you need to possess as a value is purity. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. If you're single in the room, what I would say to you is that Purity is something to fight for. And you say, well, hey, awesome. You already just struck me out because that's not my story anymore. Start today. Today is the day that you can remodel your house and you can cut out a part of that wall and you can knock down something and you can rebuild it around the value that you hold of purity. Because what I believe is that purity, it's not just what you do. It's what you look at. It's what you talk about. It's what you listen to. And in this world, unfortunately, this is a way that this, I told you a couple weeks ago, the enemy's really only got about three or four tricks, but this is one of them. And I do not want to see you make mistakes in this season of your life that will cost you in the next season of your life. And there are people in this room that can tell you the stories. They've sat in my office and talked about what they wish they would not have done back there. And I want to say to you that a value that you need to hold to steadfastly is purity. If you're married in the room, Maybe you're about to be married. One of the values that I think that is so important and so often missing in marriages, and there's a lot. Remember, we've already talked about love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. We talked about all that. If you didn't hear the message on faithfulness a few weeks ago from Pastor Trevor, go back and listen to it. That's a great message for married couples or those that are about to be married. But I think that a value for married couples is the word grace. Grace. Grace, in the context of Jesus Christ, is that we receive from him a gift that we do not deserve. Mercy is something similar, but it's where we don't receive what we do deserve. So mercy is the punishment we should receive. Jesus went to the cross and took it for us. We receive his mercy because we don't have to take the punishment. Grace is that we receive the free gift of salvation, which we don't deserve. We can't earn on our own. And so we receive grace from Jesus. But in a marriage context... I want you to keep in mind that at some point in your life, you looked at that other person and you really, really liked them. Now, I know you're supposed to say you love them. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand because that'll get you in trouble going to lunch. But there are times when maybe you don't, you love your spouse, but you don't like them. Right? Sometimes on the way to church, some of the biggest fights in families happen in the car on the way to church. And you get to church and you're like, we will finish this afterwards. How y'all doing? 
blessed and highly favored, how are you, right? No, but in marriage, what if we just extended grace to somebody? We often, hear my heart, we often are more graceful towards people outside of our home than we are to the people inside our home. We'll forgive people for doing the worst things on our jobs and in our schools and in our lives. But our spouse does one little thing that's not really that big a deal. And we erupt because there's nine other things that they did that we didn't talk about. And so we lack grace. Look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and I'll just go ahead and change scripture right here and say when one of them falls down, because they will, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? God has graced you with a partner in life. And you need to extend that grace to that partner. They're flawed like you're flawed. And you know your motives and you know your intentions, but you don't give them the benefit of the doubt for their motives and intentions. You only judge them by their actions. And so when they do something, you judge the behavior that you saw. You don't give them the benefit of the doubt for what they were thinking. But when you do something wrong, you want them to see what you were thinking. Well, I thought I, I, thought I would know what I meant to say, what, what I meant to... But when they mess up, you judge them on their actions. You argue about their behavior. What I'm saying is we need a little more grace in our marriages. Parents, unconditional love. The value of unconditional love. Psalm 103.13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. If you take this verse and you invert it a little bit and you just start with the idea that the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, and in the same way a father has compassion on his children, that's a pretty big deal for mothers and fathers. What we recognize is that the love of God towards us is unconditional. It literally defines itself. There is no condition that needs to be met for him to love you. Romans tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so parents, I'm telling you, and this is a hard one for me too sometimes, I'm telling you that the best thing that we could give our, our children is unconditional love. That we love them. I, I know you love them. You love them from day one. I believe that. But that we don't merit out and give out our love in conditionally based transactions. But that we unconditionally love them. Students, let me speak to you for a second before we close. If you're a student in the room of any age in this setting because of our kids' life environments, it's mostly middle school, high school, college students. I would say that a value that you need to possess is wisdom in relationships. Wisdom in relationships. I remember when I was a teenager hearing for the first time this quote, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I thought they were crazy. But the reality is that we have seen, some of us in this room, we have seen people whose lives have taken an, a, a detour from what they want, wanted to be, wanted to do because of some bad relationships in their lives. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. I don't care how cool they are. I don't care how nice they are to you. If they don't have wisdom, if their life is not built on the same foundation that your life is built on and being built on, if they don't value the same things that you value, my prayer is that God would give you the wisdom to get out of those relationships. So these are just some values, and you may choose other values. You may have other things that you want to value with your lives, and that's fine, but I believe they need to come from God's word. What do you value? Do I value what God values? Are my values built on my foundation of Jesus Christ? And do my values support my dreams?
Can the walls that I'm building and the lives that I'm building and the rooms that I'm filling with rare knowledge and the, the truths of God, do they allow me to continue to build my life towards the things that God has planned for me? What do I value? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. We close our time together today. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, maybe I wasn't here last week, maybe I was, but I recognize that I actually need to work on the foundation today. I need to accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive my sins and lead my life from this moment forward. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, I want to make sure that my values are right. I want to make sure that I'm valuing the right things, honoring God the right ways. I'm living my life in ways that value the things that God values. And I want God to help me over these next few days to really start seeking that out. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done in this place already today. We ask you now, God, to be honored with our lives. We thank you for those who have made decisions to follow after you with their lives. And God, I'm asking you now to help us to celebrate with heaven for all those who made that decision. We don't want to ever lose sight of life change and people who take that initial step into relationship with you. God, now I pray for everyone who lifted their hands to ask you to help them to reshape their values, that they would value the things that you value, that those values would be built on the foundation of who you are, and that, God, it would propel them forward towards the dreams that you have for them and for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.